We're going to direct our attention now to the Word of God. Only in recent months have I been asked to give titles to messages. I've been preaching for maybe over 35 years. Don't normally give titles to messages, but I put one today. To be sure or not to be sure, that is the question. And I'm very unlike Shakespeare, (laughs) dyslexic man as I am. To be sure or not to be sure, that is the question. Questions are very vital and important. Uh, Everywhere you go, the first words often of our children, often mama, because it's easier to pronounce, so dads don't feel left out, but mama, dada, ta, little words that first come out of our children as they learn to talk. But then it's why, why, why this and why that and all the the rest. And uh, years ago there was a poster, my brain is very strange, and all it had was who, what and why. Who, what and why, and I just turned it into a, a children's talk. Who is Jesus, what did he come, why did he come? Who, what and why, and we're full of questions. Years ago, I was helping out in a church, um, the more up-to-date illustrations, but I said to a young man, Stephen, full of questions. I said, you have a very inquiring mind, asking about detailed questions, some of which I didn't feel I had all the answers, of course. But I said, some questions are more important than others, Stephen. Where do you stand before God, Stephen? What will happen if you die, Stephen? How is it with your soul, Stephen? You know about God, Stephen. You need to know God. And so uh, this is the great end in view. And as we come to this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're simply going to look at uh, the first part of this chapter, particularly uh, asking ourselves four or five questions. Four or five questions. So I'm just going to, a few comments on, on Peter himself, and then we're going to ask ourselves four questions. Peter, of course, is the author of these two letters, beloved disciple of our Lord Jesus, converted, fallible, failing person, I've got a word about Peter here, three words, saved, fallen and restored, kind of sums up Stephen's life. And that can sum up many of our lives. And I trust there may be others who are not converted here today, but many of you are professing Christians, as we'll see that Peter is writing to professing Christians. But Peter himself was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all out of a question indeed, Jesus said, who do men or who do you say that I am? Remember in Matthew's Gospel. And Jesus tackles and incites, not incites in in a sinful way, but draws out of Peter and the others to clarify, to make clear in their minds, although it was not flesh and blood that revealed it, it was the work of God, but yet Peter made a profession of faith. Who do you say that I am? Vital. Words are not enough, but it begins with the heart. We believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made. Those who believed turned to the Lord and were physically baptised, but they called on the Lord in repentance and faith. And Peter was converted soundly. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this profession of faith, upon this conviction, upon this statement, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. wonder, my friends, have you, and even at this stage with the message, have you articulated your faith? Have you made a profession of faith? It's not enough in itself on its own, and yet it must begin in the, when we come as a sinner to Jesus. I don't want you to come up after me and say, oh, pastor, I'm a Christian, I've got the badge or something, no. But out of the overflow and the abundance of the heart, it's impossible to be a secret Christian. And unusually so, my wife was watching Mission Impossible part of yesterday. <laughs> Mission Impossible, secret agents. But there's no secret Christians. No, no, no. Impossible to find the pearl of grace price, to find riches, to be in love and not let others know. Impossible. So, we want to hear your voices. Peter was, uh, who got his 
<laughs> we heard his voice and he, he did get put his foot in it. But anyway, he was a genuinely soundly saved Christian. He fell, as all of us do, more famous, sadly, for his falling than his restoring. But we must remember not his falling, his restoring. Like David, we tend to remember his adultery with Bathsheba. And yet the Old Testament, even speaking about David, says except for his incident with Uriah, he was blameless and he walked with the Lord and things like this. In other words, God has forgiven him and pardoned him and restored him. Praise God. God does not count our sin against us, you know. No, he doesn't. The devil whispers in our ears and haunts us. When Satan tempts me to despair and you too, upward we look. Upward, not inward, upward we look and see our Saviour there who made an end of all our sin. And Peter was soundly converted despite his failing and fumbles. Isn't God patient? Wasn't Jesus patient with Peter? And all the rest. He didn't give up on them. He didn't and doesn't give up on us, my friends. The devil will do everything he can to keep you away from the means of grace, to shut your lips, to get some sellotape and put it over your mouth, take it off and call on the Lord. Be unashamed. I've decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me all the way. On 23rd of May 1980, I was converted and was baptised quite soon and um, was on the train the other day. I'll, I'll move on quickly. And, um, and I spoke to a lady and shared my testimony and a poem I wrote um, when I was converted and I'll share it with you. It's not about me. It's the week. It's, it's about what God has done. 23rd of May 1980, uh, a week before I gave my life to Christ, I, I wrote these words. For God, you are so good to me. You came into my heart and set me free. Free from sin and all things bad. I thank you, God, I am so glad. There's so much things I want to do to show the world that I love you. A love eternal, sincere and true. Oh God, I'm thanking you for you. Trust in the Lord and you will find a whole new change in body, soul and mind. A change you will undergo for the best and Jesus shall put it to the test. By allowing the enemy to try and win your favour and get you on his side. But just trust in the Lord and abide. And I'm only sharing these words because it's not about me, but it's about God. Who, who somehow, I don't know when I was converted, but roughly around that time, words came to mind. And the point is, Peter articulated his faith and he got it wrong sometimes. But he erred on the side of caution and he loved the Lord. He jumped out the boat. Passion. Wonderful. Anyway, I must move on. But uh, let's remember him. But now let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, his, his first letter, of course, he's writing to persecuted Christians very helpfully. If you want to know how to pray for persecuted church, read 1 Peter. You'll have some very wonderful help. He writes to them, assuring, of the, assuring them of, of their election and uh, uh, blessings out of God's choice of them and the new birth and resurrection and hope and many things. He teaches about trials in order that their faith may be found authentic. And that's partly the point of today's message, to be sure, to be authentic. Don't you want to know you have the real thing? It's not the advert for Coke, the old slogan for Coke, the real thing. It's the real thing. Today on the train, I met a lady, Jehovah Witness, 11,000 people, 11,000 people yesterday. Uh, um, Olympia or XL, XL building, something. 11,000 people listening to Jehovah Witnesses teachings. Whew. I said to her a few things, anyway. <laughs> but the point is, God has saved us in the truth, my friends. And we must keep a short account with the Lord. The first question we ask ourselves then is, who is Peter writing to? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. 
Who is Peter writing to? He's writing to those who through the righteousness of God our Saviour, Jesus Christ, I'm from the NIV, have received a faith as precious as ours. The first thing we need to notice, he's writing to professing Christians who he describes as through the righteousness, that is the work of God, the character of God, the gospel, wherein the righteousness of God has been made known, Paul says, who through this provision of the righteousness, we'll see what that is in a moment, the righteousness notice of God our Saviour, that is God the Father, and Jesus Christ. The gospel is a gospel of faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to this Jehovah's Witness lady. Jesus said, He that honours the Son honours the Father who has sent him. He that does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. And um, the same honour we give to God, we're to give to Christ. And of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, we're to, to stay quite clear from them, unless we're proficient in, proficient in a Christian, they'll have you in knots. But we need to be sure and well taught and things. But uh, Jesus is God. And you cannot be a Christian unless you believe Jesus is God. Amen? I say you cannot be a Christian unless you believe that Jesus is God. And here Peter describes, notice how he describes the message and have received a faith. Receive, that means it didn't originate with us. I received a cup of coffee because our brother made it for me. He didn't, I didn't make it. I received it. And I drank it too. <laughs> and took it apart to me and tasted and seen that the coffee was good. And taste and see, receive that the Lord is good. And the re- uh, notice how he describes receiving faith as precious. Precious. One of three words, precious here. He refers to precious faith, precious promises, and of course later, precious blood. But let me comment on this righteousness. I meant to do so. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3 if you want to or, or follow with me. This righteousness. What is this righteousness to which they have obtained and received? What is this gospel and message? Notice Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. I'll just read it. 21 and 22. But now a righteousness, that is now in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel which has been incarnated as he mentions in verse chapter 1. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law. So a right way to, to, to know God apart from the law, because you cannot be justified by the works of the law, because we can't keep it anyway, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this provision, this gospel, this saviour has been announced and predicted and prophesied and foretold by the Old Testament, to which the law and the prophets testify. Notice verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. And this basically summarises the, the outworking of having believed we were marked in him and this expression of faith. Faith in Christ. Faith in his blood. Did a children's talk last week. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Saving faith. And remember where we see faith, true faith, is accompanied, as I'm a twin, and my mum was a twin, and my, daughter, my, my wife has two sets of twins. True faith is accompanied by its twin uh, repentance. Repentance and faith. Repent and believe the gospel, the first announced public formal message sermon of our Lord Jesus. But this is what a Christian is. And have you come to Jesus, my friends? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you expressed aloud, privately, publicly, personally too, personalise the gospel? I may have said this last time, visited people and Talk to them and they, they know about God and they know the Bible 
I said, you need to come to know the author of the Bible. You need to know the Lord. And uh, not about God. You need to know Christ. And there is a difference. This lady, just Jehovah's Witness, is rattling out her own version of the Bible. And she doesn't know God. She doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I could not, you know, God knows her heart. But um, I was just amazed that the platforms were full, full of Jehovah's Witnesses, all in their badges. And you know what the seminar's on today? Patience. Patience. They're studying the Bible to learn about patience. Anyway, I told her about Jesus. Well, that's who Peter's writing to. Moving rapidly on. Second question. Uh, um, what does he ask them to do? Though I must in passing comment. I must in passing comment. I must in passing comment on verse 2. These writers, these readers rather, to whom Peter's writing, they are already in possession of grace and peace, verse 2. But what a lovely prayer. Look to your right and look to your left, my friends. Let's do it. Look to the right and look to the left. You know that person? Every time you think of that person, you pray this prayer. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a lovely, simple prayer? Every time you think of Mark or other brothers or Robert or other people here in the congregation, grace and peace, Lord, be theirs in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. They are already in possession of grace and we thought about grace last time. It's grace, eternal, sovereign, free. Grace in our Lord Jesus as a mediator. Peace with God, the peace of God. No more and more, how? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus. Notice both. This is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Because he is the one through whom and by whom we know God. But what does he ask them to do? He asks them to make their calling and election sure. Slightly phrased different in, 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 the, in the New English. Notice um, verse 10. This is the second question. What does he ask them to do? Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. In other words, Peter is saying, you are already Christians. You may be a professing Christian already. Already tried by faith, already seen to be authentic and things like this. And that's great and good and thinking not strange. But, he says, you must make your calling and election sure. Prove to yourself and to others that you are a Christian. And over 20 of the epistles or letters of the New Testament deal with false Christians. And it's right that we do and think this because the New Testament says that we are to examine ourselves. Uh, a well-taught church like the Corinthian church with all of its problems, yes. Again, but we must remember the great things about the church at Corinth. They have not come behind in any gift and they were amazing in many ways. Of course, they had lots of difficulties and problems, but they were true people, called to be saints, called to belong to Jesus. A real church, good church in many ways. But um, even Paul says, you must, make your, um, you must add to your faith. Uh, sorry, you must um, examine yourselves rather to see whether you're in the faith. Uh, military title perhaps, or you know, just like the, the queen used to in inspect the treatment of the colours or that kind of idea of examination, scrutiny. And God looks and sees. Of course, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord sees in the heart. Praise the Lord. The other day on the train talking to somebody, said to, said to them, if our, even if our hearts condemn us, I said, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Oh, yes, he does. And there are times and days, I don't know what it is like to feel like a Christian. I don't feel like a Christian, but I'm a Christian. Because my faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we must examine ourselves to, be, to see whether you are in the faith by well, that's what he asked them to do. 
and they must be all the more eager and keen. It takes effort, self-discipline, sacrifice, devotion. There's a hymn we sing, but you never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar you lay. Yes. And uh, our devotion to Christ is vital and crucial. We, just, we particularly see comment maybe this evening. But the point is this. It's not enough just to know that you're a Christian or to be a Christian. You must know that you're a Christian. And the general will of God is, the general, normal, ordinary will of God is that we might know in whom we have believed. Yes, it is. These things, these things in John's writings, but these things summary the whole of Scripture. These things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. A Christian who doesn't say, doesn't say oh, I hope so. Oh, no, I, I, I'm trying to be. Oh, I'd like to think I am. No. We know. Christians know. Amen. Christians know and can know where we stand. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election. We can know. It's not presumption. Because there are marks of grace, discernible, credible, real, provable, tangible realities. And of course, it's not because on the 23rd of May 1980, I gave my life to Christ. It's not because I, 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 I've been a pastor of a church. It's because I'm presently trusting Christ. I'm presently trusting. Yes, I fail and fall and wobble and, and uh, other things. But you are my disciples of real if you continue in my words. And we need to persevere and hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. And uh, Peter writes that they are to make their calling and election sure. Well, thirdly, how, how are they to do it? How are they to make their calling and election sure? Well, we need to, first of all, recognise, verse 3, that everything God has given to us to do this has been provided. Everything that God has uh, given to us is to ensure that we can do it. Notice verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power, that is his, that is either God or Christ, from the previous verse, both equally, I think. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God has provided everything that we've needed. In 1980, I, I began to um, listen to preaching. As a young Christian, dissatisfied a little bit in the Pentecostal church, of which I thank God, out of whom I was born again. Yet, um, um, a little shallow superficial teaching, they only seemed to want to get you baptised and filled with the Spirit as they understood it, and all they ever preached about was the second coming. But a good, you know, the church is in existence, a good church in many ways. But I was introduced to tapes and sermons. And one day, a preacher was preaching on this verse. And he said, he said that the provision of God is in the promises of God. The provision of God is in the promises of God. And I hope I'll be invited again. But I wonder if we can say that as a congregation after three, that the provision of God is in the promises of God. Okay? Two, three. The provision of God is in the promises of God. One more. The provision of God is in the promises of God. And my friends, we need to be preaching to our own soul because that's exactly what Peter is saying. His divine power has given us. But how, how do we know this and where do we see it? Well, it's verse 4. Through these, his, he has given us his very great, or the old AV, his exceeding great, exceeding great and precious promises. All of which are yes and are made in the Lord Jesus, of course. Uh, unto the glory of God by us when we affirm the promises of God it's an expression of, of giving God the praise I believe so be it Lord I believe your word and um, God's provision is in his word notice what P Peter says his very great and precious promises so that through them 
that is the promises, through them or by these, you may be partakers or you may participate in the divine nature. This is amazing. That cinnamon me and you, if you're a Christian, are temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, invisibly, really, and irreversibly, praise God, and permanently. Permanently. We may not, we may quench and grieve the Spirit, we may have a, a, an absence of the Lord in that, those things, but he's always with us, and because he's in us. Because we share in that life and anointing, we are united to Christ, in a very spiritual and an invisible but real way. Uh, uh, we are united to Christ. But the point is, here especially, that um, we may be partakers of the divine nature, that we are a work in progress, clearly, <laughs> and uh, God is not finished with me yet. Uh, but, nevertheless, God changes our moral nature into the likeness of Christ, as we said last time. That grace of God, not just in salvation, the grace of God that has been revealed through the appearing of the Lord Jesus, I meant to read but forgot, um, the grace of God in salvation, but also, of course, as you remember last time, I hope you do, the grace of God in sanctification, the grace of God in the progress of your life, in the way you think, in the way you speak, in the way you govern and prioritise and focus, the changing and shaping of your desires, your focus, your interests, your loves. God begins to work on the inside. You're different now. You're different. You're a little bit more like Jesus. Isn't that wonderful and amazing? And we've got to give God all the glory. Self-help, all these other things. Well, yes, even in common grace, of course, God uses all sorts of things to change and shape us, our environment and our upbringing and influences and experiences, of course. But we're talking now about spiritual growth, spiritual progress, spiritual development. This is what he's saying, that you may participate in the divine nature because there's been a transition, having escaped the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires. We're still in the world, we're not unspotted by the world, we are still, un, you know, we're still influenced by the world and spotted in that sense. But um, we've been called out of the world, and this world is not our home. This world is not our home. And uh, God has spared my life for a reason, but I'm ready to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven too. But um, I've got to be patient. <laughs> but um, until uh, my work is done. And the point is that we must be ready and right to die. Our brothers, two uh, uh, Christian people who have been mentioned and other people we've mentioned who died in the Lord without making light of the loss and the sadness indeed. We do not mourn as the world mourns, my friend. I whispered in the ears of a brother who died earlier this year. With my crutches I went on the train to see him and, and I whispered in his ears. Now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. And his eyes had seen the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. He's been a, been a pastor, preacher, missionary for over 30 years. What a wonderful funeral. It was indeed. Sadness, yes. And yet we, we, it was great. And uh, on the train back, I was packed. It was packed. And um, cricket match. So they, were, they all got on in Vauxhall, I think. And, uh, and, uh, and um, so you've got to talk to people. You can't, you've got to talk to people. <laughs> and so anyway, there was some, there was somebody was playing with the phone. Guess. Well, you have to guess on the image. And we started to talk. I joined in the game and he said, join in. And I said, where you, where you come from? I've come from a funeral. Oh, I'm so I said, oh, no, don't need to be sorry, I said. It was a happy funeral, I said, because he died as a Christian. Oh, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. He said, was there anything that happened? What was it? Was it? I said, well, I said I was made sensible to my sin and saw my need of the Lord Jesus. And I shared this poem and other things. And God gives us opportunity. But the point is this is that it is through the work of the word by his spirit. 
James says that he chose, he, God, chose us. He chose to give us new birth, rather, by the word of truth. And it's the word of truth, the washing and regeneration of the word and the spirit working together in concert by which we are born again and by which we are not only saved but are kept and preserved. Standing on the promises. It's more than ink on a page. Remember, it's the Lord Jesus, the living word of God. It's not just ink on a page. It's not because my head, I, I worry about me, that my head is bursting and full of knowledge and sense. I'm thinking, ooh, I want the power of these truths to be realised. I want to be a, not just a hearer of the word of preaching myself all the time, but the doer. And I want to know the power of God not, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, yes, because he'll give me grace. Not just to know him better, to know him more. But it is the word of God by which he, again, uh, renews and transforms and changes us. Well, particularly then, we've seen who is Peter writing to, professing Christians. What is he asking them to do? To make their calling and election sure. How are they to do it? By seeing God's provision through his promises and calling. And they are to do it by, um, through the word of God. Well, what are they to do? And the advantage is my last question. What are they to do particularly to make their calling and election sure? And what are the advantages and disadvantages? What are the blessings and the evidence if you do or don't? Well, it's verse 5 is the answer. For this very reason, he says, make every effort. This is another phrase he's used earlier, later rather, to, to, to be all the more eager. And uh, we need a little fire in our belly, my friends. We're all different temperamentally and in our characters and nature. And yet there is and can be a fire and a passion and God can help us in our natural weaknesses and temperaments. We're not all going to be the same, of course. We're not all extroverts and so on. And yet God can give you courage when you're timid and weak. He can give you boldness. They were filled with the Spirit. They didn't speak with tongues. They spoke with boldness. That was an evidence of the Spirit's power. And when the Word of Christ dwelling richly in you, God can help you. And we, 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 can, we can take on the world and feel like we're a lion. And outside of Christ, of course, I'm a little mouse. But uh, in the Lord, God enables us and helps us. And um, we are to apply ourselves and apply our hearts, guard our hearts with all diligence, yes. We're to apply ourselves to the means, uh, not slavishly and legalistically. We must have liberty and freedom, friends. We're not, we mustn't beat ourselves up. Oh, I've not read the Bible today. Oh dear, woe is me. No, no, no. We, yes, wherever possible, whenever possible. And now there's no excuse for you not to know the Word of God. All the apps and the aids and the helps we can have and God has no dumb children neither and we are to be actively involved and improve our opportunities whatever method helps yourself taking notes or listening or other things further reading talking sharing lots of ways we can help retain things and the spirit gives us help and uh, our minds are slippery and mine as well and yet often very often praise the Lord God is so faithful gives and brings to mind the word of God Chapter verse sometimes when it's particularly needed. Not always doesn't need it. But sometimes chapter verse. And um, just to pray for opportunities on the train one time, talking to a guy, I, I had a little Nehemiah prayer and I said to the man, I said, excuse me, can I have the IMBI number? He was reading a book on rosary beads. I thought, well, okay. I didn't really want the book, but it was my way in. Linda says I'm a bit naughty. Anyway, broke the ice. I said, where are you off to? He said he's going to see his girlfriend uh, to break off their relationship. Oh, why is that? because I'm going to go to Italy and I'm going to train for the priesthood. So I said, Roman Catholic priesthood. So I said, I said, would you describe yourself as a Christian or a Catholic? He said, I'm a Catholic. I said, that's the wrong answer. I said, are you, are you allowed to ask yourself why you believe what you believe? 
Well, he said yes. He says, oh, but the church has the authority. I says, you tell me the church has the authority over the, over the head of the church, the Lord Jesus. Anyway, and just for that, day, just for that time, and he's, I, I speak a bit louder as I ought not to, but everybody listening. And I said, you know, us Catholics and Protestants, we, we're not always <laughs> on the same page. So I told him a few things that he said, well, I'm not quite sure, and he didn't know much. And um, I left him there with others thinking, quoting the word of God. And my friend, you just look, let the word of God do its work. And here is where we do need patience. We can feel like spiritual parents in ministry and gospel work, and we can be a little exasperated. And Paul felt that, I think, when he wrote to the churches. Sometimes he said, you should be on meat, but you're on milk. You should be more advanced in your Christian faith. Where are you? I can't hear you. I said to someone the other day, you're not going to the prayer meeting to, 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 to be a spectator, I said. No, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. God wants to hear your voice. You've got a voice, God has given it to you. One of the ways I've learned to pray, and I'm still learning to pray, and struggling to pray, is by praying with other Christians. What a wonderful thing, praying on the phone this morning. Prayer is like a telephone for us to talk to Jesus. We sing it with the kids. Pick it up and use it every day. And here we must make every effort. Notice, to add to your faith, we'll be very brief. This list of virtues, which we can't really explain all in detail, but let's have a go, a little bit, pull out from words, verse 5. Add to your faith. Notice faith is the, is the, is the, is the foundation. Um, there's no other name given amongst uh, men by which we can save. It's saving faith in Christ, faith in his blood, faith in his sacrifice, faith personalising his substitutionary death. In my place condemned he stood for me. And this something happens when we speak like that, my friends. It's not my father or mother, but it's me. And when you appropriate your understanding of the cross and the gospel and say, Lord, there I see that in my place condemned, there for me, what amazing grace, Lord, and, and receive the Lord Jesus. That it's our faith that we add. Notice, first of all, goodness, which embraces our moral character and general virtue. Goodness. Goodness. We used to be, we had to be known as good people. And we can shy away from goodness as evangelical reformed Christians. And we, whether we think, oh, we shouldn't do work amongst homeless and this and that. We should be known as good people. But more than that. Not in, in more than that. I don't want to be known just as a good Christian. You know I love the adverts. And the AA adverts gone off now. The lady, little old lady, actually she was from Chiswick. Old lady, lots of lines in her face. Stuck in the mud. Can you remember that advert? Some of you might not even ever tell you. Never mind. Anyway, the AA man comes and she, the caption of the advert is, very nice man, very nice man. And I don't want to be known as a very nice man or as an AA uh, <laughs> a rescuer. But, uh, goodness, I want to be known as a good man. A God-fearing man, a good man, a good Christian, in the right sense. But uh, I'm good because I'm a Christian, not because by being good I will become a Christian. But our moral character, general integrity, uprightness, trustworthy, dependable, as far as is possible, depends on us. Knowledge. To goodness, knowledge. Self-knowledge, very important. We'll mention that this evening. Knowledge of our own hearts. Knowledge of God. We've mentioned the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Knowledge of his work and his word. It all comes out of this book, my friends. To have a high view of God and to understand, as God enables us, his character and nature, how personal and wonderful and practical God is. Amazing. Wherever we are, we could be... I was going to sing, we all live in an airless submarine. I need, I need help, don't I? Wherever we're, whether we're in a submarine or a spaceship or a satellite station, the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. It's our knowledge of him. And you know, the more we get to know God, you know, we say, good and upright is he. 
speaking to some elderly Christians, just a few more minutes, speaking to some elderly Christians recently. Um, I said that, um, quoting from the Psalms, that uh, even in their old age, i.e. their old age, they shall still bring forth fruit, declaring that the Lord is upright. Because sometimes, not just for older people, but all of us as Christians, we can bemoan our lot and complain. We can be grumpy. We can be discontented. Big capital sin in the Old Testament. I think Exodus 17, they were travelling from place to place according to the commandment of the Lord, which means that they were in God's will. From place to place according to the commandments of the Lord. Of course, they were there for chastening until the whole generation died under God's judgment, but they were travelling, pitching their tent according to the commandment of the Lord. And the Bible says, and there was no water for them to drink in a desert. God led them to a place where they would be thirsty. And instead of trusting God, having seen his power in the past, etc., in Egypt, wonderful signs and wonders, God took on the God, the God of the frogs and the plagues and the, the flies and all that stuff. And um, God is in control, by the way, of the flies. Um, I, am, I feel like I'm rambling, I hope I'm not. But the point is that uh, they should have done what Moses did. They grumbled and complained, and we mustn't do that. We trust God in our situation. A new need faces me, Lord. Yesterday you provided, today I'm trusting you. Yesterday we look back, we remember his works, we forget not his benefits, we remember his power. We've seen it at work in the cross and in our lives and in the lives of others and in the church. And we are to um, uh, trust God and be grateful and thankful uh, and uh, our knowledge of him uh, in his faithfulness and character. Um, Self-control, very important. Self-control. Again, speaking to someone, I don't think it was on the train, actually, again. There was a lot of speaking on the train. Um, and um, wherever it was, and we were speaking about being in self-possession. We're talking about alcohol, but the principle of being in self-possession, and it's not wrong to drink, but it's wrong to drink too much, and it's wrong to be out of control in any area. And the exceptions and understandings, as I understand it, is that, you know, sometimes medications, I, I, I took a sleeping tablet the other day, the second time in 30 years, I'm not going to do it again, because it gave me a headache. But it was supposed to help you sleep. But, it, you know, some medicine can make you drowsy and all of that. That's slightly different because we don't deliberately go down that road. But we must be in self-possession of our faculties. Self-possession of our faculties. And in self-control, you should be in control of your lips. I said to somebody, you are responsible for what comes out of your mouth, even if I press your buttons. And I'm only teasing here, but... You should forgive me 70 times 7. I should step on your toes 70 times. <laughs> you know, you should be, you know, we, 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 we need to um, realise that we are responsible uh, for our, 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 our thought life and our words and our tongue and we should be in self-possession and self-control and we should be known as temperate people, not flighty, sensitive, hyper, whoo, no, uh, in the, not, not in that way. Yes, we can still have that kind of leaning but the work of God and the work of grace helps us to control our tempers. And uh, from the same mouth proceeds blessings and curses. And this ought not to be, James says. And um, we need to be particularly self-controlled people. Perseverance, endurance. We can give up so easily. We mustn't give up. We need to run this Christian race with perseverance. Think of the farmer and the athlete and the soldier. Their disciplines, their sacrifices. Their... We need to be like that. Yes, we can be tired and weary and fed up, and I feel very fed up sometimes. My passing moods are quite mysterious. Generally, balance, equilibrium, but there are seasons and odd times. I can't understand it. And yet, uh, I, I am not going to stay on the ground. 
Why should the children of the king go mourning all the day? No, no, no. My God is in heaven, and Father is my Father too, and he does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and he never makes any mistakes. And I can persevere because he's, he's at work in me. And we need to realise, he who began a good work will complete, complete it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the long list, I won't read it all. Who <laughs> shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Whew, no. And he gets another list. And he runs out of language. Nothing in all creation, seen, unseen, invisible, whatever, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Perseverance, godliness, kindness. Well, we must close with the last question. We can't comment on the rest. Um, but brotherly kindness is a very practical thing. Recently, Christians have been very kind to me. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thoughtful, an odd text. It can be just a word. Two words, consider him. Your life will be changed. Consider him. Two words change my life because of my focus. Well, what will happen if we do? What will happen if we don't? If, if we don't, notice what Peter says, verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in increasing measure, that's what we want, perseverance, brotherly kindness, self-control, knowledge, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, you don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of God. And I'm meeting Christians and myself too. Christians who are struggling, we all struggle, I do as well. Christians who are fighting with the flesh and all of those things. And yet they're ineffective and unproductive in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus because they've not added to their faith. Knowledge, temperament, self-control. They've not made their calling and election sure. They're not sure. They, they don't know the word of God as they could or ought, at least a little better. Yes, we've got to be patient and practice what I've reached. But you will be ineffective and unproductive. You rarely witness, you rarely step up and step out because you are not adding to your faith and you are not uh, consumed. I've been called obsessed recently and maybe I, may, I might be, but I'm happy to be obsessed. Imagine that. A Christian called me obsessed with Jesus. That's a very sad thing to say, isn't it? I think they may be quite right that I might need a bit of more balance or hobby, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I do. But it, it was not nice to hear that. Can you love Jesus too much? I don't love him enough. And the point is here that I don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. Notice, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we will have assurance. This is wonderful to have assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. So that's the, the negative. If you don't add to your faith, you will be ineffective and unproductive. But if anyone does not have them equally, nine, they're short-sighted and spiritually blind and have forgotten that God has saved them and cleansed them. Just remember God has saved you. That will help you get up off your knees. Just remember God has called you. Just remember what he's done for you and he's doing in you and around you. And then verse 10, the ultimate end, my friend, is we close. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, it's not the merit of doing it, but it's the outworking and confirming. The confirming of the work of God in your life. As you grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, some 60, 40, 100 fold, we're all different. We've got to be patient with each other. And yet at the same time, we look forward and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll be welcomed not because I've preached or I've done this or that, because of what Christ has done for me. That's why I'll be welcomed. Yes, in part, but... I'm just a voice. 
I was in a car park the other week and someone said, oh, I remember you preached the other day. I said the other week in a church. I said, what did I say? I said, no, I don't remember. I remember your face. I said, my face not important. I've got a funny face, not important. I want you to remember what I say. My message is more important than me. The identity of the preacher is not important. It's the message that's important. Remember the message. And you need to do everything you can to remember uh, God's word to you. And one of the wonderful tips, this is why I probably struggle with my voice because I speak too much. But one of the tips for me to help me is that I share so much. I've just got so much to say. And whenever I have opportunity to pass it on, um, is it? And, and it reinforces. Uh, and do whatever it helps you, but don't keep it to yourself. Hasn't, hasn't God been good to you? Hasn't God been with you and helped you? Hasn't he preserved you and protected you? Has there not been answers to prayer and encouragements? Have you forgot the blessings of even yesterday? Are you burdened of, with long-term unanswered prayers? Don't give up. Learn to wrestle. Keep on keeping on. We, we can't and didn't be silent. My friends, this is a wonderful little congregation. I, don't, I hope you see what, what the Lord is doing among you. I'm blessed just being here. And may the Lord help us. To be sure or not to be sure, that is the question. And may we be able to say in all humility that our boast is in the Lord. That him who boasts from Jeremiah, isn't it? let him boast in this, that we know the Lord. May the Lord bless us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.